0: Um, today we're starting a new series uh, called the Jesus Life, and it's based in the first three chapters of Colossians. So, if you do have your Bibles, you could turn to there. Uh, we'll, we will have most of the verses up on the screen. But, um, and this series is looking at three things: it's uh, the, looking at Jesus' life, and then how we can know this Jesus, how uh, this Jesus that we follow. Uh, it's also going to look at uh, soaking in other words spending time with him how we can do that and also how we can be transformed by Jesus so that's what we're looking at over the next three weeks Um, and as I mentioned it's the first three chapters of Galatians it's not an exegesis of these chapters we're just using these as uh, a springboard to help us understand uh, these principles so this week, looking at knowing, I want to begin just by reading the first couple of verses. Uh, so Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people into Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God the Father. The letter is believed to be written by Paul when he was in Rome, in prison in Rome, along with Ephesians, uh, Philippians and Philemon And it's around um, uh, 60 AD that these are written. Colossae was a, uh, was a leading town um, or city in Asia Minor, which is what we call Turkey today. But however, by this time, it had actually diminished And other churches like, or other cities like Lodicea and Heropolis had surpassed it in in its importance. However, the thing that we need to capture is there was a church there. A church was actually born there during uh, what they believe was Paul's missionary uh, trip there, where he was around that region for two years. I actually want to read from verse 3 to 8... And as I read it, I would like you to get a feel for this book. Okay, get a feel for the sort of tones that Paul is using. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood uh, God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. The tone of the letter, and particularly as you read through chapter 1, is one of affirmation. Paul doesn't explicitly name any sort of false teaching or heresy that's happening there, but rather it's inferred in his affirming words. Um, And there are key words that have helped the commentators understand what that heresy could have been or what was starting to drift or change in the church at this time. Words like knowledge, understanding, true message, bearing fruit, mystery. These words are common in this book. And so the commentators believe that what's actually starting to happen and can happen today in the church is that there is an extreme form of Judaism coming in or uh, exclusivism moving into the church or it's the beginning of Gnosticism which was prevalent in the second century which dealt more with thought and um, a philosophy of life and uh, so uh, Paul is actually, even though it's not overt. He's actually starting to address this issue. And one of the things that is central to that, and it's where our focus is going to be this morning, is that people's understanding of who Jesus was was changing. They were no longer seeing him as supreme. They were starting to mix it up about who Jesus actually was. And so what we want to do is just focus on verses 15 to 19 this morning. And it fits well in terms of the Jesus life. Jesus, what we find is he is son, he is image, he is the firstborn, and he is the, e- the head. And then later on in the book, we find too that he is the sacrifice. So I'll read verses 15 through to 19 for you. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, And the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him there 's actually been much debate apparently, about whether this actually was a hymn, and if we were to jump over to verse uh, chapter three, we find Paul encourages the believers in Colossians to teach and admonish one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So there is this thought that this group of verses could have been part of a hymn. Irrespective, the important thing to note here is that Paul is wanting to draw people's attention to the supremacy of who Jesus Christ is. His ultimate authority and that is timeless. It is timeless. Um, I do want to take a step back, a couple of verses, and I did this deliberately to emphasize it. In verse 13, we read this: "For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the sun he loves, He being God." This is beautiful to me, this sentiment. Of God rescuing us and bringing us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Mark one, chapter one, we read this: that the beginning of the good. This is the beginning of the good news of Jesus the Messiah, um, the Son of God. If we jump down to first eleven, just after Jesus has been baptized, it says a voice came from heaven: "You are my Son." whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. In fact, my Bible reading this morning was the transfiguration. And the voice from heaven said the same thing. You are my son, whom I love. In John 1.18, we read this, no one has ever seen God but the one and only son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father and has made him known. I actually wonder at times whether we are too hasty to get to this truth, that God loves us, and that we smother this truth, this important truth, that God loves his Son. And the reason I say that is To know Jesus, we need to know that he is the son that is loved by his father. And it's out of this relationship, this love relationship, that everything flows in life. And so if we go back now to verse 15 and we read this, the son, the son that is loved is the image of the invisible God. The Greek word here is econ, or we would say icon. And it means to directly reflect the source. It's not a shadow, it's a replica. In Hebrews 1 3, it says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Paul in 2 Corinthians actually warns the people of the day. He says to them, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. It's why in verse 13, I think, it says God had to rescue us from darkness. In that process, it allows us to see the light, see Jesus as the image, the exact representation of who God is. As I said, it's out of this relationship, this love relationship, that all things flow. And in Genesis 1, 26, we get this incredible conversation, this between God and those that are there. He says, then God said, let us, let us make mankind, humankind, in our image and in our likeness. Mankind, humankind is made, in God's image incredible and we believe that is that that moral aspect of it that we are made in his own image Christ, Jesus is made in God's image is God's image sorry, not made in God's image is God's image and it flows then that Jesus then can become visible he can make God visible to us because we can relate on this level in fact, F.F. F. Bruce says, uh, a very well-known uh, scholar, said that it is because man bore God's image that it was possible for God to become man, <laughs> to become incarnate, to actually the deity become flesh. Amazing. Amazing. In verse 15, we also read that, uh, the, that Jesus is the firstborn over creation. So he is son, he is image, he is the firstborn. Paul is putting together or putting forward a package here. Um, and it's, we need each piece to keep the message true, the, the gospel true. Yeah, In the context... It makes clear that Christ is the agent of creation. So if we go on to verse 16, it says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or authorities or rulers. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. In John 1.1, 1, 1, we get this same amazing picture. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word uh, was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. The phrase firstborn over all creation here sets Christ, as the superior or sovereign person, being. Just as the first son is in biblical times, the biblical world had certain privileges and rights. So Christ does over creation. It's not intended to mean he was created, but it's to point us to the fact that he is sovereign. So to know Jesus is to know that he is sovereign, to know that he is superior. And as it uh, in this little verse here, verse 16, we find this beautiful cascade of words. It goes, it was in him, it was through him, it was for him. These things that were created in him, through him, for him. In Hebrews 1, 2, it says this, But in these last days, He, that is God, has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through Him also made the universe. Now, Paul has anchored this this phrase, firstborn in all creation, which is in verse 15 with the ones that are in verse 16 where he says, for within him all things are created. And then he goes on to expand or give dimensions by what this means. What does this all mean? Well, it means that Christ is supreme in heaven and earth. The two aren't separated. He's supreme over both. The Christ is also is supreme in terms of the visible world and the invisible world. There is nothing outside of him. Thrones, dominions, principalities, authority, there is no rank above Christ. Everything is subordinate to him. And so all things have been created through him and for him. But one of the wonders of the mystery, and Paul uses this word, mystery, in this is, that even though Jesus did create it all, he becomes part of his creation. I find that incredible. <laughs> and when he did, he brings with him the love the Father has for the Son. He brings with him a clear image of who God is, that which was invisible. He brings with him a new creation and he begins a new family. One of the things that we can be confident of because he did come and was part of his creation in that way is that he knows everything that we experience in life. I don't. I would never presume or assume to know what you go through. But we do know this, that the son who is loved by God, the son who is the image of the invisible God, the son who is the firstborn, the son who is the head of the church, he does. He knows everything that we're going through in life. And that's why in verse 17, we can take a lot of confidence because he is before all things and he holds it all together. <coughs> Paul moves from here um, to, from the creation as an illustration to the relationship of Christ to the church. And in verse 18 he says, And in he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. The head. Paul continues with the same line of thought, or similar language. He talks about beginnings and firstborn. But now he's talking about a new creation. In the new creation, Jesus is the head. It's the church, the body. And just with the old creation, nothing can exist. Nothing can function without Christ as the head. In Galatians 2.20, we read these words... This is Paul saying, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He lives within me, the Son this image, this firstborn, this head, all of these things establish Christ as supreme. This is the goal of both the old and the new creation. It's in him, through him, for him. And Paul, and I might add his team by now, there's actually, and if you get to chapter 4, you find there's quite a team are actually working together on promoting and advancing and uh, encouraging the local churches, their response to this uh, drift, this shift in Colossae, this heresy, is to present Christ to us as supreme. And then Paul switches. Verse 19. He goes back where we were in 13. And he goes, for God, he goes back to God the Father, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things uh, in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The mystery is made clear. God has made peace through Jesus' blood shed on the cross. This is how we are rescued from the dominion of darkness. You see, when we look around the world, we can see that it's not holding itself together. <laughs> Would that be fair to say? Which tells us one thing. In the lives of people, Christ is not supreme. He is not all of these things we've talked about. But Paul is making it clear here in verse 26 that the mystery has been that had been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want to encourage you this week to really ponder that. Christ in you, this Christ is the son loved by the father he is the exact replica, representation of God he is the firstborn of this new creation he is the head of church where is he? he's in you if you've taken these steps to accept him as Lord and Saviour and as you think about him it will prepare you for the weeks ahead. How can we spend more time with this, with Jesus? How can we be transformed by this Jesus? In him, through him, for him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this letter that Paul wrote and his team to the Church of Colossae and that it's relevant for us today as well. The application, Lord, do we truly believe that one, we've been rescued from darkness and brought into this kingdom of the Son that you love. Do we believe that his shed blood on the cross was sufficient to bring us into this intimate relationship where Father, Son, and Spirit dwell together. Do we believe that that very presence in our lives can be something that we want to enjoy more and soak in more? And that's something that can actually transform our lives because Christ Jesus, you are supreme. And we thank you that for that privilege of knowing you in this way. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.